How's it, everybody? Welcome back for this week's episode. I'm happy to say, or maybe not so happy to say, Ronald is back. Ronnie, you've made it back from Mozambique in one piece. Yeah, across the border. Across the border, back into my own country. Back into your own country. How was it then, Moz? Was it hot? It was hot, but yeah, beach was good. Water was cool. The Tiba Tinto was delicious. Yeah, did you get some good R&R? Not, not rest and recuperation. We're talking rum and raspberry. I got R&R, both kinds. Both kinds. So you came back on Friday. You're now out in the bush living it up, leaving the corporate world. It's looking good on you, Ronald. Yeah, I'm not sure which day I returned. Like I said to you, the days are kind of just uh, blending into each other. I don't know if it's Monday or Friday. Good to have left the corporate world. It's Monday. We're recording on Monday, guys. Ronnie, I really, really envy you at the moment as I prep to do my ironing and go to the office tomorrow. Must be lack of living the life. And you've got a trip to France I hope it gets, coming up. Just before that, I hope it gets stuck in load shedding peak hour traffic tomorrow morning on the way to work. Yeah, so what a gentleman, hey, what a gentleman. Well, before we head over and focus on the World Cup, I'm proud to announce that this episode is brought to you in conjunction with Fantasy Go. If you want to get involved in the Rugby World Cup action, check out Fantasy Go, a South African-based fantasy sports platform. They're putting up over 100,000 rand in cash prizes during the World Cup and a host of fantasy contests. Rumor has it they've already paid out more than 130,000 rand in winnings. Put your rugby knowledge to the test and use your budget to pick your fantasy team of 15 players that you think will score the most points each round, and you could win thousands of rands. Tell your friends to get involved too. The more people that enter, the bigger the prize pools grow. Sign up on fantasygo.io today. Ronnie, you know, we had a lack of busy weekend of World Cup rugby. It actually feels like I haven't spoken to you in ages about the World Cup. Austin having been here last week, got a lot of catching up to do. Yeah, Austin did a, did, a, did a sterling job, though. I must have listened to it. I thought he's quite the natural. And I think he almost, well, my job's a little bit at risk, you know. Right? Yeah, you know, I don't think any of the listeners missed your boring tone, except for Juan, who reached out to you for some help with his fantasy picks, because what do you do when you can't pick the home side? It's a World Cup. No one's at home. Yeah, that's definitely true. But... Yeah, that's, we're seeing that in a lot of the results. Things we'd expect to happen aren't happening. And yeah, it's a lot of upsets so far. Yeah, a lot of upsets. And we're going to get into that. But first, Ronnie, did you also notice the choirs returned this weekend? Yeah, but from my understanding with the choirs, though, they said the option, they would re record all the anthems using the choirs and then give each team the option of either using the choir or, or going back to the live version. This is my understanding of it. And I think uh, it's very difficult for these sportsmen to say no to the children. So, yeah, yeah, I see the second person telling me that now, that it's a choice that the teams can make. But please, can see it, just do something. Because this choir singing our anthem and not being on time, and then, like Austin said, throwing in little remixes mid-verse, is, it's not working for me, man. I'm not loving it. Yeah, the tempo is definitely off. And, and you see it. It's strange though with the tempo, even though that, you know, during the anthems it's completely off and out of sync, they all seem to end on the same notes and at the same time. So okay. whatever Can't the ending super sport. <laughs> no, but it does same so time. I don't know why that happens, but yeah, look, see, I can't say that to the children. If the children want to sing, the children got to sing. So there's no way he's going to complain about it. 
But you say this, yet France have turned down the anthems and it was their bloody idea. Have they turned down the anthems? Well, bloody, bloody cheeky bastards not letting the children sing. <laughs> well, Ronnie, talking about singing, let's go over to an anthem that was full of emotion. Italy getting a 38-17 win over Uruguay. Those Italian players came out fired up for this fixture. Yeah. Look, I feel, definitely feel sorry for both Uruguay and Namibia. It's a very difficult pool. And it's tough enough facing the Italians. And then you still got the other two that are in there. But yeah, Italians, well done to them. Uh, let's hope that they can pull some magic against, you know, France or somebody. Yeah. So, I mean, Italy, we spoke about it as not this weak team that we used to know. They've really got some talent in that side. And they did better against Uruguay than France did only a week earlier. I definitely think, though, Uruguay has been the surprise package of the World Cup for me. I think they've in a very difficult pool and they've put on some good performances so far. I've been very, very impressed. Yeah, they seem to be the, the whipping boy, the whipping boys of, of the tournament for many years. And until they won their first World Cup game, the tournament or two back. And ever since then, you know, they've just been on an upward trajectory. It's fantastic to see. Hopefully we can see more and more professional athletes coming out of Uruguay. We don't want amateurs. We do want our sport to grow. So, yeah, fantastic. And it's very good to see. Yeah, and Italy really making the, the most of their opportunities there as they're now either All Blacks. If they have any hope of making it out of the pool, they needed to gather as many points in the other fixtures as possible. Another Pool A clash, though, Ronnie, which was a mad one, was France's 96-0 win over Namibia. Now, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on these teams getting these big scores racked up against them, Ronald. Yeah, it's very difficult because I'm sure we're going to get to it. Henry Arundel scoring five tries in his game, England versus Chile. You know, a lot of records get broken, but, you know, it's the luck of the draw. Which, which minnow nation do you have in your pool and and which minor nation is going to be on the receiving end of some uh, some broken records? Yeah, look, but it has to be. What are we? What else can we do? We can't just make the World Cup with two or three teams in each pool. It's it's got to be expanded. And and uh, these teams, Namibia, Chile, you know, they're going to have to bite the bullet. And you know, it's it's good. It's good for the growth of the game for them to have game time, even if it is in the ninety six nil loss. You know, when you see a 96-0, it makes you ask the questions, you know, where's Canada? Where's the USA? Surely there's some teams that can do better than a 96-0. But the inverse of this is then you look at France. Now, they put out a full-strength side pretty much for this fixture. A move I'm pretty sure Galtier is not too happy about now, Dupont suffering a fractured cheekbone. Yeah, that was a bit of a strange one for me too. I didn't quite understand why they put such a strong team on the field. You know, it's just run the risk of injury. You know, that's exactly what happened. Yeah, Johan Dessel making contact with DuPont. So rumor has it that DuPont's having sort of a specialized plastic plate made for his face that he might be able to then play in the quarterfinals against the Springboks. I don't know. Rumor has it that that Johan Dessel's been been given a new Land Rover as well. And knighted. He'll be knighted in (laughs) in the autumn, in the winter. No shame. It's never nice to see a player get an injury. He has had surgery and a plate inserted as well. Horrible injury. They've already lost. Intermark to lose DuPont is massive for France. Fortunately, the one group... But go back to that now. Are you saying that they're talking about putting a mask on him and having a plate? Yeah, I'm getting Hannibal Lecter vibes. That's what I'm imagining. Or like a hockey mask. 
Yeah, but they can't. Obviously, uh, they can't wear that. That's 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 hard, and you're going to hurt somebody, right? It'll be interesting it's to see what they do like come that. up with. From what I read about it, it can't be more than five millimeters thick. So it'll be interesting to see what comes out of out of that. A 96 nil game, Ronnie. Is there really anything we can take out of this to say, you know, this is what France did, or this is what Namibia didn't do? It's it's one-sided traffic, a team going running, basically shadow rugby. Yeah. And that's about it. Shadow rugby, it's, it's, it's drills, it's perfecting, it's getting your lineups and your set pieces nice and, and efficient, running smoothly. But that's about it. You can't really take, you can't really gauge where each team is at. Yeah, absolutely. Then we go over to a fixture which was quite interesting this weekend because both teams coming to mm-hmm. play their second fixture. Los Pumas had a horrendous start to the World Cup in their opening loss to England. They then had an, a week off to, to regather, and it came down to a 19-10 victory for Los Pumas over Samoa. What do you make of that game, Ronald? Yeah, so I watched this one quite intently. My dad was supporting Argentina. He's a big fan of the, the rugby championship teams, and I was supporting Samoa because, you know, Fiji, we've got some big fan base in the Pacific Islands. I thought, you know, we've got Did you tell them? Yes. Yeah, no, I didn't. I kept that secret. I don't want all this thing creepy upset with me. Uh, but anyway, it's fantastic to see Samoa push it that close, right? Yeah, it was um, a very, very uh, good game. We just ultimately go back to the fact that they've had, I think, 14 or 15 matches since the last World Cup cycle, which is just ludicrous. It's un- unacceptable, right? They're doing really well considering how few games they've actually played in comparison to Argentina and other the top tier nations. So, yeah. You know, it's disgusting that they aren't getting more game time. And if they have, if they do get more game time, then you're going to see a more improved set pieces. You're going to see cohesion amongst the team, better combinations. And I see you put that in the agenda. They lack set pieces. But that's probably what's happening here. Or that's not probably, that is what's happening here. Yeah, I mean, you know, the Pacific Nations, Samoa, Tonga, Fiji, have always brought this incredible attacking flair to the World Cup. And it's always awesome to watch them. But it's often been up front in the set piece, in the dirty work, you know, where they have to earn that right to play that style of rugby that they've been found lacking. Fiji's definitely gone a long way to sort that out. I do feel like Samoa still struggling a little bit in that department, you know, not getting the go forward off their, their set pieces that they would want. But I mean, still impressive performance from them. They held a side like Argentina, who let's remember have beaten All Blacks twice in New Zealand. Um, or twice in Oz and New Zealand, rather. No, I think a takeaway from my part is that Argentina really struggled, right? I know you're about to talk about Feli, and he played exceptionally well, but he, for me, was a standout athlete in the team. Argentina really struggled. Samoa did really well, but I think the biggest takeaway is that Argentina just weren't able to perform as we would expect them to. It's not the first game in this tournament that they've done so. That's a bit worrying for them. Yeah, it's also interesting because a lot of the build-up to the World Cup, we kept saying, you know, we don't know what we have in Argentina. They've done a lot of rotation. Maybe that's now what's causing them problem. Their combinations haven't gelled. They're looking a bit stop-start. Not the Argentina performance we expected from them coming into the World Cup, where I predicted them to top their pool initially. But Buffeli, massive to that Argentinian cause, proving how vital a yeah. kick can be. He scored all 19 points in that fixture, which was including a try. Yeah, he's a, he's a unit. He's a big winger, right? So him and I like to compare him a bit with Duan van der Merwe. If Duan van der Merwe could kick, 
because he's a big you know tall stocky stocky athlete i'd hate to be in front of him when he's running at full tilt down uh, towards me yeah no me too that's for sure but yeah hopefully argentina can build a bit more momentum that pool is still up for grabs as it goes then ronnie another surprise package from this world cup we've got georgia getting an 18 18 draw with portugal i've really been impressed by portugal in this tournament yeah, absolutely. No, look, they, they've come in, they pushed Georgia close. They, they really haven't been the whipping boys we expected them to be. <laughs> you know, I was, I was torn a little bit because I do, I do enjoy Georgia. I, I want to see them win. But in, you know, right up until the, the, the 11th hour, right up until the 80th minute, you know, Portugal were in it to win it, right? They were kicking for post and unfortunately they missed that. Unfortunately for them, and I suppose fortunately for Georgia, because they get very close to losing. But yeah, well done to Portugal. I felt a bit sorry for the kicker that missed. Yeah, Portugal definitely deserves a shout-out. Also, a relative minnow nation. They were searching for their first win of a World Cup. Didn't get it, as you said, right at the death. Georgia managed to get the draw. But Ronnie, Georgia's looking very weak at this World Cup. And you know, there's been all these big calls for their inclusion in the Six Nations. And they got wins over Italy and Wales in the last two years. But at the World Cup, they're really failing to draw attention, to put on these big performances. To fire. So not so great from the Georgians. Look, I think it's the argument is Georgia versus Italy, right? That's the argument. Traditionally and over the years, Italy have really struggled. They have, they've lost all the games. They've been the wooden spoon year in, year out. And why can't you, you know, Georgia, are they not perhaps better than Italy? deserve a spot in the Six Nations. That's the question. It's not whether Georgia can perform at a rate that uh, Ireland and Scotland are performing, you know. It's whether they worse, <laughs> in inverted commas, worse or better than Italy, right? So that's that's the question that needs to be asked. But Italy is playing really well now at the moment. They seem to be going through a bit of a dip, dip and then a peak in performance immediately after that. The same can be said for Georgia. But yeah, look, I agree with you. I, I thought that there was a possibility, however remote, of them actually getting out of the pool that they were in. Yeah, performances haven't been too uh, strong enough to, for me to now think that that's, that's a possibility. Yeah, it's, it's been very indifferent from the, the Georgians so far. It leaves you reminiscing about the days of Momoko Godza and the performances they used to manage to pull out of their, their players. Then, Ronnie, over to another big... And the third zeroed score of the tournament, England getting a 71-0 win over Chile. Very, very slow start for the English. That first 20 minutes, they looked like a shaken side against the Chileans. Yeah, so five tries for Henry Arundel. So he was dominant on that win. Uh, you know, but that's, that's exactly what's going to happen when you've got three fly holes in, in your back line. You know, they're going to be more than happy to pass the single ball wide. So I think Henry can, can be very lucky that he had three flowers. So whichever with those flowers always don't swim it right. Yeah, I mean, five tries for him, it was 11 tries in total, but five tries for him sets him up nicely to challenge the eight-try record now. Just needs another three. That's, and I'm not sure if he has scored in previous games, so he could actually be the top point scorer in the tournament so far, or top try scorer, rather. What did you make yeah, of his return? I don't like him, Carol. Really? I don't I like him really? very much. And I, <laughs> I was really hoping that he would trip and fall on his face or something like that. But you know what? Look, it's good for him. We hear more often than not 
his, his surrounding teammates often talk about how valuable he is and how much how good he is as a team player. Yeah, good for him. It's just more biased that doesn't want to see him there. But John, look, if he's he's back, it was interesting that they that they opted to play him at ten. You know, I think George Ford deserves to continue playing at ten because you know he's done really well. And that's what we want to see. But yeah, look, it's it was it was it was a, a backline the makeup of, of which we won't see very often. No, absolutely. Talking of the, that backline, what did you think of Marcus Smith's performance at fullback? His first selection out at fifteen. He did play a bit there last weekend, but actually getting a start yeah. at the back. You would see the difficulty with this is now you, you're not really tested uh, when you play a team, actually, or someone like that, you know, a team. So you can say whatever it is that you like, you know, you played exception well, or he had a poor performance, but it is very difficult to say how a player would really react, you know, against other top tier nations. But yeah, look, it was, it was good to see good running rugby. As I said, the three fly halves, you know, it's going to be a lot of passing, a lot of running. So I suppose that that's exactly what happened. Yeah, it's like you say, it's very hard to rate where they are, but interesting to see him get that opportunity. Looks like they're heading away from the 10-12 where, where Owen's at 12 axis, which is, is probably better for the side as a whole. Ronnie, then over to our heartbreaking loss to the Irish. Springboks going down eight points to 13 against Ireland in Paris. <sighs> Do we have to talk about this, right? We have to do this, I suppose. Fortunately. So, so I didn't think, I think I picked the lowest in our super group. I said box by one or box by two. Yeah, I expected a very tight game, um, you know, off the bat. I think Rossi saw exactly what was going to come. It was, you know, it was going to be physical. It was going to be tight margins. And that's, yeah. That's that's the nature of the test match between one and two. I mean, there are the top two teams, right, according to the rankings. So you do expect a very close team like that. It's basically an, an unstoppable force versus an immovable object, right? And that's that's what we saw. And no, I mean, disappointing for us as Springboks, but that is what it is. Yeah, I mean, you said that it was physical. That game really was hard as hell. And I think big applause to both sides. It was incredibly physical and not one card. There wasn't any reviews for high tackles. It was excellent technique. The boys going hard at it. And and that's that's what you want to see in a game. You know, that's that's something. That's not talking about Damien Dialende bouncing the hell out of Gary Ringrose. <laughs> and then minutes later does the same to Johnny Sexton and he's holding the shoulder. Dialende was was carrying pretty well this weekend. Yeah, so Diomi Delende played really well. I was very chuffed with watching him play. But another player I was really excited about was Ox. You know, when that guy came onto the field, I couldn't help but repeat talents knowing when scrubs. Yes, that guy is powerful. Yeah, and, and I was excited to see that. Yeah, look, but look, you know, ultimately the box lost. Uh, but it became very close, right? And there, there's a couple of moments there where we could have come away with a try or we could have got those kicks. Those kicks were very close. And then we were singing a different tune here. We'd be very chuffed. So, oh, what a fantastic performance. We came very, very close to a fantastic performance. The margins are just very small uh, when the top team is playing the second team. So you're saying now Ox's physicality, Ox came on and he was scrumming so well. A lot was made of the 7-1 split and how it was going to give us this massive advantage. And I think everyone pretty much expected five or six forwards to come on at once. But we didn't. For the first time, actually, we P 
piecemeal the replacements on. And I really don't feel like we got the advantage from the 7-1 split that we were expecting to. I didn't feel the lift in intensity. I, nothing was lost, but I don't believe it stepped the game up or stepped the pressure up on Ireland. What did you think of that, Ronnie? Yeah, you're right. I think we're just used to seeing our forwards, or at least our front rows, and a lot of parents coming on at the same time. So you do notice an immediate and, and noticeable change intensity, right? So because, because we did exactly that, it wasn't as noticeable. I think we maintained the intensity a lot more. It was a lot more gradual when we introduced the bench players. So it's very difficult to say whether they actually had a major impact or not, which is what we've been used to for many games. But yeah, look, I think, I think it was a reaction to how the game was unfolding. You know, it's, you don't necessarily want to bring all seven on at the same time or, or bring your front row on at the same time. And then suddenly there's a collapse in momentum. It was so tight. It was, uh, it was, it was so close. It was such a game of attrition that you really had to be very careful about the changes you were making to your team. Yeah, it was interesting for me to see the tactic that was deployed there. I, I definitely would have made or stuck with bringing on four or five at once, like we've generally done in other games. But now another interesting thing for me is I think Ireland were clearly targeting Dion Ferry coming on at hooker. I did mention in the week Dan Sheehan, actually their, their top hooker, he was on the bench. And Ireland made to pay a little bit for that, losing six lineouts in the game. They, they set piece, they looked very, very shaky. And it gave me a bit of a false sense of confidence in the early f- portion of the game, at least. Yeah, that's definitely a worry for me. I think there were so many opportunities to capitalize. You know, our conversion rate is definitely low. Those lineouts went over the top. They went, they went skew. And, and why we didn't capitalize on that more is a little bit of a concern. You know, I think so many points of parts of our game, you know, it was a tick, it was a step in the right direction and, you know, we did fantastically. But when it comes to scoring points and converting opportunities into points, we seem to be lacking, you know. Like, like you said, was it six lines? Set pieces for, for Ireland for the first quarter, the first third of the game is shocking. Why we didn't come away with points in that time, yeah, concerning. It's definitely concerning. And something else of concern to me that I want to just chat about a little bit is I think the box were hurt in two crucial ways by not selecting specialists this past weekend. The first is the glaringly obvious one, which we'll have a bit of an in-depth chat on later, is the lack of a specialist goal kicker. That was 11 points left out on the field. But then also the lack of a specialist hooker. When Dion came on, we had a five-meter line out. We gave a skew throw. We lost that pressure. Malcolm Marks coming on, you might want to think that would have gone a little bit differently. So, you know, are we lacking these specialists, Ronnie? Yes, we are lacking specialists. We have uh, a team full of generalists. But I'm not going to say that that's necessarily a bad thing, right? If this actually worked out, if we came away with the win, we'd all be saying, oh, well, fantastic. We, Russie's master strategist, and he did so well. Uh, we don't need specialists, right? But, you know, we, we lost by five points. And now and now we say, okay, no, we need, need specialists. We need specialist hookers. Yes, there's horses for horses. Look, the team will now go and identify that as a problem. But yes, we got found wanting with, you know, utility forwards, utility players coming onto the field and being unable to execute the, the core functions that a rugby team need to perform in a, in, in, in a match. 
So that, that'll be a focus area. And I think if you look at the next couple of weeks for the Springboks, we've got Tonga, you know, Tonga coming up. And then we have a, almost a two-week break before the quarters, if we're lucky enough, let's just say, to, to get that far. We've got a lot of time to, to really take those uh, generalists, to take those utility forwards and to hone their skills uh, to make sure that we don't get found wanting again. So we're lucky in that sense. But yeah, I think it was very close to us having the conversation of, yes, Rassi's fantastic and we don't need specialists, to what we're having now, which is we need specialists. Yeah, it's definitely a tight, a tight rope to walk there because you lose on some, you gain on some, and you're never really going to know until you actually test it out. But like you say, they've got some time, they can work on this, they can upskill the players and get them ready. Ronnie, let's quickly hop over then to Scotland v Tonga. That was a 45-17 win for the Scots. You know, they're still in it in Pool B as well, hey? And if they upset Ireland, we could be in a position not to qualify for the quarterfinals. So we need to keep our eyes firmly affixed on the Scots at the moment. Yeah, so Scotland and Ireland and South Africa, they all stand a chance of uh, not making it out of the pool or making it through, through the pool. You know, we've got to make sure that from a South Africa perspective, we get five points from Tonga. And then we've got to really hope that Scotland, you know, doesn't, you know, that Ireland doesn't get at least one point out of the game against Scotland. You know, things can get a bit hairy there. But we'll look at the permutations. Well, actually, we need uh, Ireland to Tonga score to Scotland. Yeah, if we get that, then things will go a little bit smoothly. But look, anything can happen. We've seen in the Six Nations that Scotland can uh, can put good performances on. I think so Ireland is on, a, is on a roll. And I think anybody in front of them should be a little bit concerned. But, but you're right. Scotland, five points out of the game with Tonga. Yeah, that's kept them in the game. And, and they performed. Oh, do one for Nevada. What a beast. Yeah. All the, the South African Scots are playing pretty well for them over there. But yeah, we, we cannot afford to take our eyes off the Scots at the moment. And like you say, we have to secure a bonus point when we face Tonga next weekend. Ronnie, the game I felt split the Super Brew pool quite widely was Wales versus the mm. Wallabies. Two teams, very difficult to call. Wales coming out 40 to 6 victors over the Wallabies. I'm going to be honest, the only reason I went for Wales in my pick was because I thought Gatlin's a more familiar coach to them than Eddie is to the Wallabies and marginally more experience in their group. And then lo and behold, Dan Bigger goes off injured early. Yeah. Well, I also backed Wales, but I didn't back them by a lot. I didn't think it would be a, a blur that the blood that it was. And yeah, Wales drank together a very impressive performance, which, you know, the, the people should take note if you're going to face them in the quarters or if you're going to face them in the semis, perhaps even. Uh, you should take note of this performance against the Wallabies. You know, that said, I actually did want, you know, even the back that Wales on, on Super Bowl, I really wanted Australia to win because I actually do like Eddie Jones. I love to hate him. You know, he's, he's our enemy. You'd respect for the man. He's done, he's done fantastic over the years. So I didn't want to see them down and out like that. But yeah, they, 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 they were down and then public and, and the media just keep kicking the Wallabies. Look. Take, took a big risk. Looks like he's, he's working towards the next World Cup. We've spoken of that before. But the reality is, I want to see the Wallabies play so poorly. Which, which yeah. The thing is, you look at this now, and I'm, I'm talking about when Eddie Jones capped Marcus Smith for the first time. You know, he says, you pick a young fly half, you've got to back him. Yes, you're going to lose games because of it. But 
got to back them, got to get their confidence. So we see him do that with Carter Gordon. Then this weekend, Carter Gordon has cast aside. Ben Donaldson pulled up from fullback. Kellaway is now in the 15 jersey. And the Wallabies suffer a massive defeat. Now, you've got the potential here of damaging these youngsters' confidence. Sonny Bill Williams saying, you know, this game, they're going to carry it with them for the rest of their careers. And yeah, some will be able to bounce back from it, put it aside, but you run the potential of seriously damaging a career here. And Carter Gordon could have benefited from the guidance of Quade Cooper, you know. Tom Hooper, Frazier McWright could have benefited from having Michael Hooper there to say, you know what, boys, we've been here. This is how we go about it. Let's pick up. Let's put the pieces together. Let's get on with it. And yeah, the bold selection calls that Eddie made, they have clearly not paid off now. Wallabies all but out of the World Cup. And Wales, who were shaky leading into the tournament after very disappointing Six Nations, have now got three wins in a row in their pool. Yeah, and their confidence is up. So, like I said, you better take note if you're going to face Wales anytime soon. Because they've just proven that they aren't as rubbish as you know we thought that they maybe were coming into this World Cup. And you know what's scary? This is an exceedingly young Welsh side. They're also definitely targeting 2027. And to see them already performing like this in a World Cup, handing this pressure, first time captain this past weekend, you know, hands up Wales, well done, Gats, you deserve it. Pull the boys together out of a bit of a dark spot. And yeah, I'm sure you'll be looking forward to an extra weekend of the Welsh anthem, hey, Ronald? Yeah, absolutely. Do you have the Superbrew log there for us, Ronnie? First, where are you on the log? I don't know what you talk about. You broke no, up a bit, I can't hear you. You've been gone for two weeks, so you owe the listeners some honesty. Where are you on Superbrew, Ronald? No, I'm just uh, sorry, there's, there's technical difficulties. Load shedding and wind direction, air pressure, all those things. Eh? Yeah, barometric pressure is unstable. It's just unfortunate. I don't really know what to do now. So last week, I think you we confirmed you were 2,917th on the log. Have you done any better from then? All right, so... Yeah, break back on here, but yeah, we'll go in third place. Okay, so the rugby punted pool that we have in place for for the rugby world cup. In third place, we've got Chandra. He's on thirty points. His total differential margin is just small enough to put him in third place. Uh, in second place, we've got Louis ninety one, thirty one point five points. And also on thirty one point five points is first place FJ. That's where FJ is. He's up to first of Bruce. And then I am fourth and. Fourth from the bottom, hey Ronald. Come now, give some honesty. Where are you on that log? Oh, where where are you? I'm 171st. 100. That's rubbish. I'm gonna have to double check that. That's fine. I'll send you a screen grab. I'm 168. Cuck story. Yeah, Ronnie. Since you won't be honest with our listeners, I'm gonna go and find you on the log, and I'm gonna post it out for everyone to see. I know you've got the wooden spoon in the content creators pool. So you're not representing us too well over there, hey? No comment. No. Why, why are we talking about this rubbish? There's more important things people don't want to know about our super <laughs> I assure you. And I just enjoy having it recorded. You know, you're, you're suffering from the log. Let's take a, head, a look ahead, rather, to the fixtures coming up. I'm going to ask you for some predictions, Ronnie. Do you think you can handle that? Sure. Why not? Yeah, guys, based on this super brew performance, not sure you should trust him. But Wednesday, Ronnie, we see Uruguay versus Namibia. That's a fixture Namibia probably have eyed up ahead of the World Cup as one they could win. After seeing Uruguay's performances, I'm not so convinced Namibia can really threaten them. But that is going to be a very, very good fixture for these two sides. 
considering their other opponents in pool A. Okay. Looking at me as if I'm supposed to give you my no, no, I'll, I'll give my one on this one. So I'm going to say Uruguay by 16. That's going to be my pick. Okay, I've, got, I've got Uruguay by 18. All righty, there you've got it. Ronnie, then Thursday sees Japan versus Samoa. What do you make of this game? Samoa by five. Yeah, look, I think Japan's been a bit of a letdown. And uh, Samoa is, like you like we said previously, you know, aside from the set pieces, lacking some cohesion in the set pieces, they are they're performing relatively well. So, so Samoa by five. Yeah, I have to agree. I think Japan won't threaten them in the set piece like Los Pumas did. So I'm also going for Samoa. Also by five or less for me. Then Friday we can't night. Pick five already chose it. Sorry, is that the rule? I can't pick it. Well, I probably shouldn't pick it. Then I'm going to end up last in Super Brew as well. <laughs> okay, pick, pick something. Ronnie, Friday night we see New Zealand versus Italy. I know there's a lot of talk on social media about this being an upset. Italy coming for the All Blacks. Make no mistake, I would really love to see it. I highly doubt it though. Yeah, I'm with you there. I'd love to see it. Love to see Italy uh, beat New Zealand. I feel a little bit better on this side, but it's probably not yet going to happen. They're not not saying it couldn't happen in the next couple of years, but uh, it's not going to happen this time. I don't think. Yeah, I've got All Blacks for twenty to thirty point win in that game. Okay, I was also sitting on that. I've got New Zealand by twenty four. There we go. Then Saturday, another action packed weekend of rugby kicking off at three pm. Los Pumas versus Chile. What do you have for us there, Ron? Yeah, so it's South American derby here. But yeah, look, this is going to go the way of the Argentinians. It's going to be a bit of a convincing win. And uh, look, Chile has proven not exactly a walkover. So this is going to go Argentina by, let's say, look, 50-55. It is a bit tricky, but uh, I'll go 55. Yeah, I'm also north of the 50 mark in that one. I think Los Pumas is just going to have a bit too much power to take on Chile. Then the game, I think we are definitely backing the Fijians in both of us. Fiji versus Georgia. Georgia's really failed to to pitch up at the World Cup to put on performances that could see them exiting their pool. Fiji, on the other hand, very, very well done. They've beaten the Wallabies. They'll be looking to rack up another win, you know, narrowly going down to Wales. I'm sure if they played that game over, they would feel they could have taken it. So I'm backing Fiji with a, a 15 to 20 point win in this game. Yeah, I'm with you there. Look, it's it's going to be Fiji. Fiji's going to to lose, really. I don't think that they will. I think, you know, like you say, they are itching to replay the Wales game. And it just happens that Georgia tends to play in red, too. So, you know, they'll, they'll have some uh, flashback from the Welsh game and they'll target this one, I'm sure. Definitely, definitely. Then the team we said we can't take our eyes off of, Scotland facing Romania. What do you have on this one, Ronald? They're going to get five points out of this. Fortunately for us Africans, they're going to get five points out of this game, I'm sure. It's going to be Scotland by 50, 45 to 50 points. Yeah, I think it's definitely going to be a high-scoring game. That Scottish backline is pretty potent, and their pack will will likely be able to, to subdue the Romanians. So also definitely going for a big Scottish win in that one, which is a worry for us in Pool B. It really, really is. So can't let them undo our 76-point difference against the Romanians. Sure. Ronnie, over to Australia versus Portugal. Is it too much to predict the Portuguese win out of this one? No, I was just thinking that before we got to while you were still talking about the previous matchup, I was thinking 
Portuguese win by two, maybe. It would be bloody incredible. Like, okay, we just said we don't want to see the Aussie game going down. But let's be honest, a win for Portugal would be incredible for the game. Fantastic. Be- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. So I suppose we're very much hypocrites here, right? We don't want to see Australia. But we also do want to see them. Yeah, exactly. I do exactly. want to see Portugal do really well. So, but yeah, look, Australia's going to take this one for sure. You know, those youngsters are going to be hurting. Eddie Jones is going to tell them to play for a bit of pride. What is this potentially their final game of yeah. the World Cup? And and yeah, look, they, <laughs> they, they're they going to give it everything they've got. It's going to be a big win for Australia, maybe 50, 55, 60 points. Yeah, potentially the last game for this side for almost a year because they'll only take on the rugby championship next year, the July internationals. So the youngsters need to make a statement here, something that they can at least put in their back pocket looking ahead to the next season because, as we've said, they're all but out of the World Cup now. Then our last fixture of the pool stage is Ronnie. It's a late one, a 9 p.m. kickoff on Sunday. Springboks versus Tonga. Can we get our bonus point? I hope so. You know, we've, we've, we've struggled against Tonga in the past before. So 2000, I don't know, it was 2007. We struggled a little bit, uh, one of the previous tournaments too. So look, I just hope we can get our five points out of this. So I'm not going to say, I'm going to give a score prediction order. I'm going to say is we're going to get five points out of it because, you know, I'm putting that out there in the universe, hoping it, hoping it, it, it happens. Yeah, we definitely need the five points because. If Scotland dish up something against the Irish and we don't get five points in this game, the boys are coming back to load shedding a little too early. Don't, just don't say something like that. <laughs> Ronnie, just a, a couple of last things to chat about for this episode now. Did you see Eddie Jones reportedly interviewed for the Japan coaching job ahead of leaving to the World Cup with the Wallabies? Yeah, I did see that. Look, I think it's... I'd be, I'd be surprised if Eddie Jones took that job. I mean... I wouldn't be surprised about him going to Japan. His mother was Japanese. He loves, does love Japan and he's coached there before and he's familiar with the structures. Look, that's not a surprise, but I think it would be a bit of a surprise that he came over to Australia for only a couple of months and left. I don't think he will leave Australia out of a quarter. I think he, if he leaves, it be because he was pushed out. And I don't necessarily believe that that's the case. Yeah, I think you have a point there. It would be quite surprising to see that he was in negotiations with Japan. I don't think he would willingly leave the Wallabies, especially when they're eyeing up a World Cup. If he was planning to leave, he would have selected the numerous senior players, no eye on building the squad from the youngsters that he took. So he's himself dispelled the rumors, Phil, uh, Phil, Phil War coming out and saying he believes Eddie stands by Eddie. So it'll be interesting to see what develops out of that, but it would be disappointing if if it were true. Ronnie, then probably the biggest debate of the whole weekend, Andre Pollard and Marnie LeBoc. What do we do about this? Do we start Pollard against Tonga with Marnie on the bench? That has to be the only option, right? Look, first things first, I think Rusty will have said to Andre when he was called up to the team that he probably wouldn't play this past weekend against the Irish and that he would probably get gang, gang time against Tonga. But I think the plan stays the plan. That you know, nothing changes. Uh, but yes, I think it would be a good good decision or good idea to play Pollard against Tonga. He needs to he needs to get some game time. He needs to get familiar again with the position. He hasn't played for the Springboks a long time. But yeah, I don't think it's necessarily over for Marty. Yeah, it's an interesting one because I've seen quite a few people say, well, how do you get Hundra on the, pe- on the field and have Marnie there? 
and then guys suggesting you know can Andre play at 12 I thought you know maybe that's an option they will look at but then Damien Dialende had such a banging game this weekend that I don't really see them shifting up that 12 axis between Dialende and Esterhaz and what they've got there is there then you've got the interesting thing of the bomb squad option you know do they go with a 6-2 split and then you've got Reinach and Andre Pollard on the bench but that means there's no room for Vili probably in the team anymore it's it's a difficult one to see where you fit because I think we we can't talk around the issue anymore we definitely need a kicker there's no doubt about it but in the same breath we don't know if Pollard can still kick and like Rossi said he's got to do more than just kick he's got to be able to run he's got to be able to tackle to sidestep to hand off you know we don't really know where Andre Pollard is at the moment no you're right agreed we're stepping around the fact that we don't need a kicker we definitely do need a kicker it's not to say that Monty can't kick. It just seems he's got a bit of an issue, you know, kicking when he's wearing a springbok jersey. Yeah, he's got the yips, right? So somebody needs to do something to get him over that. And yeah, you're absolutely right. That is a bit concerning. Maybe Padre Pollard doesn't know how to kick anymore either. Exactly. And now we've put out this Mayday call to play. He's played 31 minutes since april of rugby which included the yellow card one kick over one kick missed and then he last played for the box in august last year so it's more than a year out of international rugby it's going to be very interesting to see i would be surprised if he got more than 50 minutes against tonga mani probably coming off on the bench and then the question is ronnie is that going to be enough to say well pollard you're starting the quarterfinal against france uh, yeah, so it's a bit tricky, obviously, because we're, we're trying to speculate and we're trying to, we're speculating as to how the, how the week's preparation leading up to a test match goes with the spin box, right? The team gets selected on a Monday. The, team, the players already know. So, you know, he needs to get through a, a full week of full, full of practice. Then it, the coaches can decide whether he's fit and ready to go. I don't think they'll put a, a player in, in the team that isn't. Up to, up to scratch because, you know, they've been very open and honest about that. They've haven't selected players that haven't been 100% ready to go. So we've got to trust in Rossi and Jock. You know, we can't be those bad fans that flip-flop one week we're happy, the next week we're sad. That's for sure. Let's, let's, let's back them. I mean, we pay a lot of respect to the fact that the Springboks train insanely intensely. But I do, I do believe there's no substitute for an actual game, the pressures of it, the pace of it, and all of that. I really do hope Andre is up to it. Andre can do well, because I think it has reached the point now where we can't progress further in the competition without a kicker. And it'll be interesting to see how that develops. Ronnie, the Bok 23, by the time this episode comes out, it will have already been named. For me personally, I'd like to see us shield a player like Sia through that game. I think he should get some rest. Urban as well, you know, Franz Malherberg, Vincent Carpenter Ste- had a hit out yet. Peter Steph needs a bit of a break. So good starts maybe for Andre and Kanan in the midfield again. Mapimpi, I think he needs another opportunity to put his hand up because Kirtley Aronsa didn't quite do it for me against the Irish this weekend. Going to see some good rotation, I hope. Yeah, look, I agree with you. There's nothing that you said that I disagree with there. Agree, let's rotate the front row a bit. Let's get have some throwing practice in for Alfred because maybe Dion Ferri should start against Tonga. Yeah, it's something we'll they definitely or, need to look at before the playoffs. Or if uh, if Marcus may be a better thrower, he can throw. But uh, Dion Ferri, I think, needs needs some game time for sure. Uh, because if we're going to rely on him 
going into the knockout stages. He needs some proper things under the belt. But yeah, look, I think let's rest some of our valuable players too. And our valuable players being exactly Sia, right? Let's wrap him up in a bit of cotton wool in his feet up. And Yevon too. We desperately need Yevon. And the work rate of, of Pistepto is invalid. Yeah, we've got a lot of scrammies that we can give some game time to. We want to see Polly at least get a bit of run at 10. For sure, we expect him to. And yeah, the center pairings, I, I agree with you there. But uh, it's a good opportunity to rest because we know that the Tongans are going to be very, very physical. Yeah, and it's also a balancing rest because, like you've said, there's almost two weeks before our next fixture. So it's keeping everyone sharp. But there are a handful of players that have played a little too much rugby and can do with that. And I think also we just need to take a second, Ronnie, because Sia Kulisi has been phenomenal since coming back from injury. Top tackler when he left the field for the box in the 50th minute. Shout out to Sia. He's really, really performing well for us. Yeah, right. I think also Kwaka. My shout out will go to Kwaka. I agree with you with Sia, but I believe that Sia and Kwaka, those who are workhorses. Yeah, and a lot of it all off the ball too. Kwaka is an absolute animal. And that's a wrap, guys. And Bills. If you enjoyed this episode and didn't mind our terrible puns, please do us a solid and smash that like button. Remember, subscribing to our podcast may not make you a better rugby player, but it will make you more knowledgeable around the bry while screaming at the TV. We might not have the biceps of a prop or the speed of a winger, but we've got enough rugby banter to keep you entertained for the entire season. Grab it all, light the bry, and we'll catch you back here next Wednesday. Mm-hmm.